Tons of young adults have discovered a personal faith for their life. They began to set priorities for their life and even are, you know, in a sense moving forward with purpose. But in a lot of cases, what's still missing is passion. Uh, they don't follow their heart. They, they, they go through this regiment, but it's mostly about duty. It's about fulfilling obligations, but there isn't any passion there. And so we've got to ask the question, how do you get passion? And where does it come from? And where do you find the fire that fuels this journey and keeps us moving in, in the right direction for the long haul in our lives? Passion is basically just saying, this is my value. And here's what I'm willing to endure, or willing to pay, or willing to part with to accomplish that, or to get to what I value. And, you know, people value stuff. You know, it's like worship. People think Christians worship. No, everybody worships. People think, well, that's what people in the church do. No, everybody on planet Earth values something. And because of that, that's where they invest their time, their affection, their energy, their thoughts, their money, their relationships. They pour it all into what they value the most. And they may not say they worship it, or they might. They might say he worships the ground she walks on. Couldn't be more true. That guy worships his car. Couldn't be more true. It's, it's where he values the most. And that's what passion is about. It's another way of saying, this is what I value the most. And I think everybody values something the most. Now, there are people I meet all the time that are, they don't seem to have any real drive in life, and they don't really seem to have anything they're really jacked up about all that much. I always go back to Paul. I love the guy. You know, here's a New Testament guy who basically hated God and uh, went around persecuting the church. He was not a, uh, he was not raised in the church. This guy was not a religious kind of, you know, church-going guy. Uh, he was a religious guy. He just didn't like Jesus. And he said, you know, I used to have all this stuff. He had prominence. He had position. He had power. And he had all this stuff going on in his life. And he said, and I count all that loss now for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. And so apparently in this guy's life, there was a point where his passion was redirected, where I'm passionate about persecuting the church, now I'm going to go build the church. I'm passionate about being uh, a know-it-all and a very wise, educated man, which he was to a, to a point of saying, you know what, I, I don't know anything and I'm the least of those in the kingdom of God. From a guy who's saying, I've got position and prominence and power and money and all this stuff in the culture saying, look, I, I know what it means to suffer want in a guy who's been shipwrecked and left for dead and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the guy had a, a shift of passion. He wasn't passionless and then he was passionate. He wasn't passionless and then passionate. He was passionate but he changed what he was passionate about. And anybody sitting out there has got to go, what happened to him? What happened to this guy? And what happened to him was he saw God. And yeah, he had a, a major encounter. He had this Damascus Road experience where he was, he just had a vision of God. And we can't all sort of hold our lives up to that standard. But I think there's a point for me in my life, I can look back on it as clear as a bell, when all of my going to church and knowing all the right answers and being able to tell everybody all this stuff about God completely, radically changed. And I got a glimpse of God. 
And when I got a glimpse of God, He was bigger and better than everything I'd ever been passionate about in my life. And my passion went, I've always been real passionate, but my passion went, whoop. Why? Because I saw something more glorious, more beautiful, more awesome, more amazing, bigger, grander than anything I'd ever seen before. And my passion just went, wow. New value, even more passion for that. I think a lot of people see, could possibly see this whole passion thing is, that's one more thing I got to do. Thanks a lot. You know, I've got all this responsibility. I've got so much on my plate, and now I've got to have passion for God. I don't have time to figure out how to get passionate about God and to have passion for God. And I think it's because they see it as an addition to their life. It's another thing I've got to do. It's another layer I've got to put on all of this. And I think God wants to redirect that and say, you know, remember the journey. The journey is about you and me. Remember the journey. The journey is about you and me having a love affair. And um, people have always said and will always say, there's too much on my plate. Um, I've got too much going on to have passion for God. All I can think about is getting up and getting to my job and taking care of my responsibilities. And by the end of the day, I'm already thinking about what I didn't get accomplished today that I've got to get accomplished tomorrow. And now you're telling me I've got to have some grand global passion for God. Let's face it, who's not busy? Who, who doesn't have a day that is congested and crammed? It's not getting less stuff in our day so we can have passion for God. It's getting God in all the stuff of our day so that we can continue to fuel that relationship with Him. When we make this shift and our passion for these other things becomes passion for God, that's not going to magically change the structure of our lives. That's not going to radically reshape what we do with the you know, 16 or 18 hours that we're awake every day. We're going to go to work, we're going to have obligations, our families, the pressure is going to be there, responsibilities, it's all going to be there. That's not really what changes most of the time. It's our attitude, our way of thinking that changes. And I'll give you a perfect example. A guy is uh, all of a sudden turned on to the purposes of God. He realizes there's three people in his office that need to know Jesus. He's never really cared about them before in terms of people who need to know Jesus, but now he does. And he's not going to walk in Monday morning and say, you guys need to know Jesus and here's the gospel and what do you think? But he's going to set out a long-term six-month plan of trying to build bridges to these people that they can walk over to come to know who Christ is. He's, he and his wife also have gotten turned on to a mission opportunity and they've decided they're not going to buy uh, the new thing, but they're going to squeeze out 50 bucks a month to support somebody they know who's on the front lines of reaching the nations for Christ. And when he goes to work, he's thinking about his paycheck going, hey, you know what? I'm getting 50 bucks this month to send to that ministry, and that's what this job's doing for me today. I got three people here I'm praying about. I wonder how God's going to let me build those bridges today. And on top of that, I, I get to do my job for the glory of God, and I get to talk to Him all day. He sits with me. God is not like in my quiet time and waiting for me at the end of the day. He wants to walk with me. He wants to go to work with me. In our city, you sit in traffic all day wherever you go and people hate it here. I'm thinking, I love it. It's the only time me and God are alone in the car for long stretches of time to be able just to share with each other and talk about what's going on in life. So maybe the day doesn't get restructured. What passion does is it restructures us and it brings God into the day. First off, I'm just going to ask the question, what is passion? As we heard, he was talking about passion is your you having the drive to get to wherever that thing is you really, really 
want. That's your passion. That's what your passion is all about. Now, it all comes down to what do you value most? And I, that's why I asked the question as to what thing that you really, really like that you would think about all the time and try to get to all the time. That's your passion. Now, many times we find ourselves getting caught up in all these things and we just run with it like sports, games, and school and all that stuff. We just go with it full force. We try to do whatever we can to get it as soon as possible, as best as possible, and as fast as possible. So we always find these things to look at. Even though we are Christians and even though we follow God, we still put these things somehow to the forefront of our lives. And because we do this, we end up fixing our lives around those things instead of fixing the right things that we should be focusing on, which is God. And so the funny thing about all these things that we try to pick and pinch at and focus on and zoom in on is that everything in this world is worthless. Nothing is going to last. Everything is worthless. It's pointless. And so from the sports you love to watch and the sports you love to play, from the games you like to do if for all gamers out there, and even school for people who really are a stickler for grades, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Now, before you go saying that I told you all that grades don't matter and you have to forget school and fail yourself, I'm going to read from, we're going to read from the Word and see what the, we're actually talking about here. So I'm going to ask them to put the verse up on the screen for me, please. I'm going to read it together. Alright. Alright, I'm just gonna start reading and then the there's a part I want you guys to read, so whatever. I'll just start. Now, in this verse, which is Philippians 3, Paul is writing a letter to a church. And no, he is actually writing to people who are real and actually live the life, and so they know what thing what life is about. So he's not just writing for no reason. He's actually writing to human beings. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ, Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else would has a mind to put confidence in the flesh. I far more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. For more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to his death in order that I may attain resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I press on so that I also lay hold to Jesus Christ. Can we read this 15 and 16 together now? Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything, you have a different attitude, who will be this so to you. 
However, let us keep living by the same standard which we attained. Brethren, join in my following example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, from, for many walk of whom I have told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross. Those end in destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame, who's set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, for which also we eagerly wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body, our humble state, into conformity with his glory by the exertion of power that he has even subject all things to himself. Paul was talking about himself. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, Think of the most successful person you know, a Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, somebody really, really successful and big and really good at what they do. That's what Paul was. He was the best of the best. He was the best of being a Pharisee. He knew all the law. He was bona fide, everything. He was certified, everything you could think of, the best of what he did. But, and he worked hard for that too, and he didn't just get it off of merit. He worked really hard for it. Yet, he said he counts it all as nothing. He counts it all as loss. Because when you think about it, when you compare everything that we do, anything that we ever can do, to who God is, what he has done for us, and what he will do for us, can you really compare that? Can you really compare the two things? And so when we talk about passion, it's not just saying that we are going to do these things because we're not going to do these things because it doesn't matter. It's not about that. We're going to do these things for God because he is who our passion should be pointing to. Now, the key is we need to do it for the sake of Christ and not for the sake of ourselves or for our teachers if it's school or for our friends if it's sports or whatever. We need to do it for the ending passion that is Christ, what is us knowing him more and us being able to be closer with him and preparing for the glory that we have as Christians to be with him forever. Now, thinking that all these things that we do on this earth is nothing, is worthless, bunch of garbage, right? You spending all your time focusing on these different random things is just like this. Think if you have a rock. Nothing special about this rock. It's just a plain old rock. Nothing special about it. But you get a job. You go to the food store every day. You make sure I bring food for this rock. Lay it before the rock. Pray before the rock and say, Rock, this is for you. I got to give this all to you because you need this. But it's a rock. It's an inanimate object. It's not going to do anything ever. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to paint here. All these things that we end up doing in this life and focusing all of our attention on, it's worth nothing. And so when we focus so much time and effort on these things, and in the end, we have, we're empty inside. We have nothing else to show for it besides the long list on our resume or the long list on our transcript about how good we did. But after that, it's then what? And so that's why Paul also talked about people, how it is after you focus all this time on things that don't matter. For, and he says, for many walk, of whom I often told you, he's talking about the people, and now I tell you even are weeping, that they are enemies of the cross, of the Christ, whose end is destruction, 
whose God is their appetite. They're always constantly looking for things they need to get and accomplish and do. That's what their God is because they're not really passionate. That's what they're passionate about. And whose glory is their shame? Who set their minds on earthly things? And what it means when saying their glory is their shame is that in the end, all you have to show for it is the things you did, but nothing really else after that. And so what we have to focus on is, and like Giglio said, the guy Louis Giglio in the video, like he said, it's not so much about passion, putting it in a different part and saying, oh, we got to do one more thing. No, it's not about that. It's about putting God at the top of our lives and having the passion for him trickle down to every single part of our lives. And so when it comes to school, we want to do good, we want to get good grades, but why? We're not doing it for ourselves. We're not doing it for our teachers, but we're doing it for the glory of God so that we can better serve him. We're here on this planet for God's glory. And so he gave us all these different tasks. And it doesn't have to be ministry. It doesn't have to be singing in the choir. It doesn't have to be doing whatever. You can do serve God in whatever aspect of your life as long as he is the passion. He is your drive. You want to get closer to him. You want to know him more. So once you drive after him, everything else will just follow through. Your passion is whatever you try, you do to get to that one thing. That's what your, your passion is driving you. You're trying to get to it, whatever, by any means necessary. Try and do this, try and do that just to get to that. And so if you truly have a passion for God, you will find a way to incorporate him into every aspect of your life. And it's not easy, but that's why God is there to help us. He can help us. So we just need to pray for the right heart and the right change of attitude. Because in the end, that's what it's all about. Changing your attitude and changing your mindset to look at life with a passion for God and not for the things that are in your life. In the end, even if you don't think you have any particular passion, you're not really crazy about anything, you're just kind of walking through life, oh, that's cool, oh, that's cool, whatever. This should be kind of, you should have a kind of a head start on everybody else because you don't have anything to try to push God in front of. You can just put him there and let him do the rest. He'll develop your passion for, he'll show you your gifts. He'll help you along and whatever you set your mind to do, just make sure he's the focus and he's the reason why you're doing it so you can glorify him. And whatever you do, in the end, you'll feel satisfied because you did it for God's glory and you will have your eternal reward to show for it. And so it doesn't mean, all this doesn't mean you have to do it alone either. You have God's help. You have your friend's help as well. So in the end, when it comes to developing this entire idea of passion for God, it's as simple as looking at all the things in your life, looking at everything you love to do, everything you put your time and effort into, and saying to yourself, I want to use this to glorify God. How can I do that? And after that, it's all a matter of praying and reading the word and studying his word and seeing what God has to say to you, and he'll come to you. And so it's not easy, but once you put the time and effort into it to really have that passion and drive, you can accomplish it. And so that's all really it is about finding your passion and correcting your attitude toward God and how you live your life. And so as that is, going to close in prayer, and that's going to be it. All right.
Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this wonderful evening where we can spend time in your word. And I pray that you will just come in our hearts and really come focus, come in our hearts and really work on us and really mold us to be who you want us to be. And that is passionate and alive youth for you because we're here to glorify you. We have no other purpose. Everything else is worthless. You're the most important thing that we could ever dream of in this life and beyond. So I pray that you would just work in all of our hearts and pray that you just mold us into what you want us to be, changing our attitudes to focus more towards you instead of the worthless things of this world. Um, pray that you would just bless this time tonight. Uh, pray that we go home safely. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.